Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you hot little sausage. My name's Owen. Had the Premier League begun at the turn of this calendar year 2023, Liverpool Football Club would be derriere, sits fleisch, or bottom having harvested a mere point from an unavailable 12. And it all reminds me of this poem by the great Philip Larkin called Days, which goes something like this. What are days for? Days are where we live. They come. They wake us time and time over. They are to be happy in. Where can we live but days? Ah, solving that question brings the priest and the doctor in their long coats running over the fields. On social media and off it, people talk about a cliche called an army of followers. And one of my special guests this evening is Abdul from Watch LFC on Twitter. Watch underscore LFC on Twitter. And I just had a look. They have 193,000 followers, which is actually more than the armies, than the soldiers in the armies of Norway, Sweden, Denmark and the Netherlands combined. I learned that this evening. Abdul, uh, did you know that? And how are you keeping in these desperate times for Liverpool fans? I didn't know that, but um, I mean, it's good to know. Good to know I've got an army behind me if I need to get into any kind of geopolitical conflict. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, get, a, um, get a manifesto together. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know how I'm keeping Owen. I think I'm just... Uh, just hanging in there like everybody else. I think there's been a few periods, there's been a few down periods for Liverpool fans over the last few years. And I think uh, I've tended to deal with them the same way both times or however many times it's happened. I just kind of tune out of the football, uh, stop looking forward to games. I still watch the games when they come on, but I just try not to take it too seriously. Just kind of wait. But yeah, uh, just just hanging on, I guess. It's a very sensible thing. I mean, football's just a game we know that when th when times are bad you know you can always fall back on that it's utterly insignificant in the bigger picture of things but you know we love it you know it's one of the things we love um josh um you know that is is here as well and our second special guest of the evening Josh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back josh is a chelsea fan chelsea are rewriting uh the book they are rewriting the entire library of what is possible, uh, Josh. Um, what, I mean, just straight off the bat, as a Chelsea fan, are you sort of licking your lips and looking forward to a bright future of Enzo Fernandez, Or, it, you know, it, on the flip side, are you getting a bit worried because of what's happening to, to Manchester City? Um... I think I think it's very easy to look at the money Chelsea has spent, the players that have bought, um, and where where there's a clear obviously rebuild happening, and certain players are already being thrown out the door, like Jorginho was already was already gone to Arsenal, and I think a load of players here in the summer will you know depart. Uh, Bobbyang obviously as well is pretty much already gone, um, considering he's been kicked off the Champions League squad. <laughs> um, but at the same time, people have to understand, you know, the. I come if these signings that these guys, that you know, the top baldy has has made, um, don't work out. You know, Chelsea has spent what three hundred, you know, million pound or potentially a little bit more on all of these guys. And say come this time next season, Chelsea are sitting outside of the Champions League and you know moving around of the FA Cup. You do then you question what happens to Chelsea because you know. Tobolly will not spend another three hundred million on a whole big squad. He you know, let's just remember he's just bought Chelsea. So the guy's still paying off the massive amount of money that he's uh, to the government for the club. On top of the fact that he's just spent all this money, he spent money there in the summer, he spent money there in January. He has no more money. You know, he'll, he'll spend more money in the summer, there's no doubt about that. But come, you know, this time next year, he'll not be able to financially afford to do any more with his team. And Chelsea, with how big the contracts are on particular players, the, the wages that they're on, how big the squad is, 
you couldn't really offload these players because just financially, again, it would just burn Chelsea to the ground. So the, the amount of like risk that there is on these next 12 months uh, on Graham Potter, on Top Bully, on the players, on the club, massive. If it works like Chelsea are kind of contenders and, you know, you know, you know, will be up for Manchester City and Arsenal. If it doesn't happen, Chelsea face extremely big financial concerns going into, you know, the future. So for everyone who says that, you know, Chelsea are spending all this money and they're doing this, yes, the contracts are a bit extreme. I don't agree with the eight, eight and a half year contracts. I think that's a bit of a joke. Um, and 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 I do, I do think spending all the money at once like we have is a massive risk. You know, I think doing it like Arsenal, where you spend it over four years and you gradually build everyone into the team is probably the better way. But now you've got these basically these six, seven new individuals who Graham Potter has to get into a team mid-season when the club's under massive pressure, these players are going to, have to adapt to the Premier League. For me, there is just a lot of um, financial burdens with that. So, as much as I understand, yes, there's excitement. If this does not work out, Chelsea could potentially be done as a top four team as a, or as a title contender for a long time coming because the money is being spent. And if it doesn't work out, there's going to be no more money to spend because there's going to be no money invested back into what Tom Bowley is doing now. It's a brilliant answer. It's absolutely fascinating. And I do I do agree with you. From the outside, it looks like he's playing, you know, playing a bit of, um, you know, a game of chance with the finances. Um, for those who are watching on YouTube, you could see that on the screen now I've got transfer spending. This is from the last, uh, you know, since 1819, so the last uh, last five years, basically, last five seasons. And it's every club in the Premier League, their, their, their total uh, net spend. Uh, Chelsea is at the top of that list, uh, minus 740 million euros. This is in euros, this one. Um, next on the list is Manchester United. There's 611 million euros. Um, first of all, that's absolutely obscene. Um, but yes, Arsenal, 549 million. They're third on the list. City, strangely, are 254 million euros um and liverpool are you know just above them 287 million euros but of course city spent a heck of a lot before then um after all this spending all of this all of this stuff i mean will it come back to bite chelsea in in the butt in the butt talks in the in the what was the german word i, I found earlier the the sitzfleisch uh well i don't know about that i can't verify your german but um <laughs> what what I can say is uh it's really interesting. Um and first things first, you've got your agenda up on screen. Thanks, thanks for that. But um I think when when Bowley was making all of these signings, I'm not sure if because I remember when Abramovich sold the club, he I think he made one of the conditions that whoever comes in has to dedicate a certain amount of funds towards improving the team and or the stadium. So I don't know if Bowley has just taken the money straight directly from that pool of funds. Or um, the other idea that I had was, I think FIFA is introducing regulations. Um, like, I think actually they already introduced them. But essentially, clubs are going to be limited to how many loan signings they can have out at any particular time. And I know that one thing that Chelsea have done very, very well over the last few years is have like 27 players out on loan, uh, eight of them to Vitesse, Sarnheim and wherever. So maybe Bowley has made a calculation that Chelsea are going to have to offload a lot of players over the next few transfer windows. So he's made all of these signings in advance, knowing that over the next few windows, he's going to get a lot of money back in. I don't know. Maybe that is the calculation. But um, interesting. The, the, the idea that it's all because of amortization and he can just spread it all out over however long, stupidly long contracts, I feel like it's, it's a bit too simplistic uh, uh, an explanation for why they've been able to do this because amortization isn't a new thing. Everybody has known about amortization for like, I don't know, as a casual football fan, I knew about that like four years ago. So if it is that simple, why haven't other clubs been able to do it? Um, why I, I just feel like there is something novel here that um, Bowley's been able to do. And yeah, fair play to him. I think he's pretty much taken the calculation that Chelsea might not make top four this year. And if they don't make top four, but he's happy with Graham Potter as a manager, 
let's uh, speed up the process. Let's get Graham the team that, you know, uh, in every position, he's going to have talent and quality. And then let's give him that six month period between now and the end of the season and then pre-season to get that team gelling, get them used to his ideas. And then we can hit the ground running from August for the next season. Um, I think that's the calculation he's made in terms of the incomings. It's just basically just speed it all up um, instead of doing what Arsenal did over three years. Just do it all in one window and then, yeah, hopefully hit the ground running from from August. But yeah, I have absolutely no idea how they've done it. Um, yeah, somebody's going to have to figure it all out because uh, I don't think anybody's really hit the nail on the head yet. Lovely answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, Manchester City, they've they've hired um, a lawyer called Lord Panic, which is absolutely wonderful name. They've pushed the panic button and perhaps Todd Bowley will, will have to... Uh, to do likewise in in a couple of years, who knows? But it's a very good point. Uh, just going back to the to the spending table over the last uh, few years. Of course, Chelsea back in nineteen twenty, they made a, a net profit of one hundred and twelve point two seven million euros. Uh, apparently, can't remember where I got this all these stats from. This I think it's transfer market, but maybe not. Um, and uh, they also made a profit last year of six point six million euros before this season, spending only 543.66 million euros. Heavens to Betsy. That's enough about Chelsea for now, because this is a Liverpool podcast, and we've got lots of complaining to do. Um, for example, Josh, I mean, this is the, you know, as I said at the top, that if the form table started at the beginning of this calendar year 2023, then, um, you know, uh, Liverpool would be bottom. We got hammered by Brentford, 3-1. We got hammered by Brighton, 3-0. We drew with your lot, 0-0, because you don't, you, you know, you, no one in Chelsea remembers how to kick the ball in the goal, which is a bit of Liverpool's problem as well. And um, we got trounced last weekend by Wolverhampton Wanderers 3-0. Have you watched Liverpool this calendar year since the beginning of January, Josh? And if so, have you been laughing? Have you been cackling like uh, an evil genius, pointing and laughing like that kid in The Simpsons? Or, you know, smiling to yourself warmly like, uh, you know, a man with a sherry looking out over the sunset? Well, it's, it's, it's nice to know that we're not the only top four club, you know, struggling, you know, badly this season. Uh, I don't think, actually, I do think Liverpool, considering where they have been over the last couple of years, um, and probably where they are now, they are probably worse than Chelsea, um, you know, this season. And I think, you know, I think, you know, Liverpool do seem like they're continuing to go on a downhill spiral um, as the season, you know, as the season goes on. For me, for me, you know, the whole the, the simple issue with Liverpool is it's an old, neglected squad that can no longer play Premier League tempo or club tempo. Um, it's like you know, it's like Klopp going into the you know, going into the training, going into the dressing room, and saying go and do this and it's like the players just it's not the fact they don't want to it's just like their bodies can't and you've kind of got this issue where you've got Jurgen Klopp trying to you know get across his message and his points and then the players bodies are just not responding to it it's like it's like they can't they're burnt out and the biggest issue with being burnt out um is the biggest issue with being burnt out means you don't go onto the pitch and you play the same so like Klopp's got this way that he can get his team to play because the team just can't play it. Um, and that's why you're seeing all these big issues, you know. And Klopp doesn't really know any other way to play football because that's what he's done at Dortmund, that's what he's done at Liverpool, he's had success from it. He doesn't know what other way. And I think this comes down from, I think, the big issue, and I don't know if this is Jurgen Klopp or if this is, you know, an issue above him, but the recruitment team, potentially Jurgen Klopp, have just not done what you need to do with this with you know with you know these um when you play high tempo you need to ref refresh your squad every one you know every two to three years you need fresh young midfielders you need fresh young wingers um you need to maybe change your play style a week but Liverpool just haven't done any of those three things and over over the you know over the last two three years when you've been fighting for Champions League she has been having two very incredible uh, title races for Manchester City just mentally you just can't keep up but even even Manchester City even though they aren't as bad as Liverpool you can see the mentality difference with Manchester City at the moment they don't have the same 
you know, ruthless about them. They don't have the same pedigree about them. And even though I think a lot of them more last down to a part of the tactical aspect, I still don't see the hunger of Manchester City like I did over the last few years. Um, what you're seeing from Arsenal, and I feel like that's also played a part for Liverpool. So, you know, Liverpool need a massive upgrade. You know, like Fabinho doesn't look the same player that he did the last couple of years. Jordan Henderson needs to be benched, you know, permanently. Thiago probably needs to be sold. You need to get Harvey Elliott more involved in that team um, in a preferred position, give him like a, like a leadership um, kind of role to kind of build upon. Uh, I think it might be time to look at other options than Salah because I think Salah has kind of, you know, played his part uh, in the Premier League. I think it's time to move on from Roberto Firmino. I don't think he offers anything into the team anymore. Um, there's, there's too much to talk about there. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on, and, man. Go on. Keep, and, keep, and, keep. and then um, I do think you need to look at potentially a new right back, maybe, unless Trent doesn't get his act together. Because Trent just does not seem like he's learning that he is, you know, his style does not particularly work. And um, maybe, you know, I, th- I, th- I think I think Van Dijk's fine. I think Van Dijk's has been a bit more exposed to the midfield. So I don't think it's really Van Dijk. I think it's just he's got nothing in front of him to protect him, but which makes him look worse. So, yeah, Liverpool have a lot of areas they need to look at. Um, I don't I don't know how the season's going to end for you guys. It seems I don't know how it'll end for us. But um, I think, you know, if, if VSG are or are not your owners come the summer, um, if you do not invest into the squad, into the squad, you get rid or bench the people you need to get rid or bench come the summertime and get new fresh legs in, especially that midfield. I just don't see Liverpool, you know, getting any better anytime soon. Um, you guys need the investment, not not maybe to the Chelsea level, or you just go and basically buy a whole new eleven players in one window. But um, you definitely, you know, prioritize certain areas such as CDM, you know, central mid, and probably. Uh, you know, a new or a new striker if um, Gakko doesn't seem to turn out. So, yeah, there's a lot of deep rooted problems. And I think I think the, the scariest issue, just to finish on, is no one truly knows. You know what the deep issue is? Is it the players? Is it club? Is it the recruitment? And no one really knows how it's going to play out. You know, from here on in, if it's going to get better or worse. It's a very fair answer, and I and I, I really love that assessment from the outside. Abdul, what do you think about all of that? Because, you know, Josh mentioned a lot of things that have gone wrong. I, I disagree in terms of Mo Salah and Bobby Firmino. I think they are still they still have a lot to give. But, you know, what do you make of it? There, there are so many problems. He's absolutely right about the midfield. and But you name it, the recruitment, the, uh, you know, off the field stuff. Um, I've got lots to say on it. But what do you, what do you make of what Josh just, just said there? I think uh, his, his sentence right at the end where he said, um, nobody really knows where the issue is, um, whether it's on the field, whether it's recruitment, managerial, whatever. I think that's uh, absolutely bang on. I think in general, uh, as a bit of commentary on on where the fan base is and where the punditry is and where the commentary is around the team and the narratives are, I feel like, yeah, we are all kind of a bit blind about what is actually happened. Because again, let's put this into context. This is a team that went within a three goal swing of winning everything in football less than eight months ago. So it isn't I get I get the arguments from people saying that we should have been looking to, you know, freshen up the team while we were still on top. We should have been looking to make certain positions younger, bring in the energy while we were still on top. And now we're suffering from not not taking a proactive approach to our recruitment. Um, but I don't necessarily think that this team is completely done. I don't think this team is, um, I think, for example, all of the players that people say, oh, we need to freshen up, we're like too old. Um, But all of the players, if you ask them which players you're going to keep, if you ask any fan which players you should keep from this Liverpool team, they are the players that we have who are old. So Mo Salah is in his 30s now. Virgil van Dijk is in his 30s now. Alisson is in his 30s now. Fabinho, eight months ago, you would have said, yeah, I would keep Fabinho. He's 29. Um, Jordan Henderson, most Liverpool fans would have said, yeah, let's, you know, he's a club captain. We don't really need to sell him. We'll let him gracefully age and you know become the veteran player. He's in his 30s. And then you look around the rest of the team. Um, so Sadio Mane, we did sell. He was in his 30s. But most now, in hindsight, everyone's like, why did we sell Mane? 
But then that goes against the argument, right? That we shouldn't be selling players to make the squad younger. Firmino in his in his 30s now. Um, Thiago, probably one of the best midfielders in the world in his 30s now. So in all of the key positions, all of the, the age, the, the players who are dragging the average age of our group up are the players that we would want to keep, all right? And then around that, you've got players like, let's say, uh, Josh said that we should be integrating Harvey Elliott more into the squad. Harvey Elliott's played every single game this season. He's either started every single game or he's come off the bench. He's been one of the most integrated players in our squad over the last two years. Curtis Jones has made over 50 appearances uh, for the first team over the last few years. A lot He gets a lot of hate, but Klopp has actively integrated that player into the squad from the youth team. Trent is still very young. Uh, Kanate, very young, comes straight into the first team. He's he's one of the starters when he gets the opportunity. Um so yeah, I don't know. It's just like I get what people are saying, but sometimes the arguments around it don't actually match up with the reality. That's kind of what I want to say. I know that you're biting your lip there, uh, Owen. What did you want to say there? Well, I'm just curious as to who you would get rid of because I made a list the other day and it, I think it was seven or eight players that I would get rid of. I'm talking about, you know, it's it's you're butchering this team, in my opinion. You're 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 taking your your you know your your sharpest. Uh, chainsaw and you are ripping that carcass uh, to shreds I'm just gonna share a, a, um, a different tab for our YouTube viewers who can see uh, one second where is it here so I've got a list of all of our players from fbref.com uh, in order of minutes played okay we'll go through it very quickly but I'm just interested Abdullah, in who you would um, sell out of all this so let's try and agree so we're keeping Allison, we're keeping Mo Salah we're keeping Van Dyke. obviously we're keeping Trent are you moving Trent to midfield because I am I think he's lost at right I would have done it right years ago years okay ago. so we're yeah. agreed so Trent is moving into midfield Andy Robertson we're keeping him Fabinho. Wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 wait. So, okay, that so wasn't the question. Okay, so carry on. This is this is when you talk about uh refreshing the squad. Um, I think one of the key things to doing that is to move players on, not necessarily when they're on a decline, but when they're actually like still performing at a high level and they're a if I lost if Madrid oh. I lost you for a second there. Sorry, I lost you. You said you said um when they're not but like before they decline. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I think you've got to sell, you've got to be uh, like, and I think there's something Liverpool have done well in the past. For example, Felipe Coutinho, when he hit like his peak, we, we cashed in on him. And I think that is possibly something that I would look at doing with Robertson. The only thing is that it depends on who we would have coming in as a left back. But if there was a top, top tier left back talent, let's say, around the age of 22 or younger and we knew that they were available and at the same time a Bayern Munich or maybe even a Premier League team let's say Spurs Arsenal they decided oh they want to chuck us 80 million for Robertson I would cash in on Robertson and I get that he's a leader I get that he's an important part of our squad obviously with Milner possibly leaving soon um Henderson hopefully leaving soon jokes but um you don't want to lose somebody with his personality. And I, I would want him to retire at Anfield. But if you want to talk about, oh, let's be ruthless. We want to get rid of players and freshen up the squad. I think I don't think Robertson has a you know cast iron place. Uh, he's a great left back for sure. But I think you can get great left backs. I mean, look at, look at what City did with Cancelo, you know. Six months ago, best right back in possibly the Premier League in all of Europe. And they just like said, nah, we're going to play Rico Lewis instead of you. And if you want to play games, you're going to have to go to Bayern Munich. That's He's the kind good, of Rico Lewis. But yeah, no, but OK, OK, OK. I want to bring Josh in on this. OK, because you, you haven't convinced me, Abdul. I'm sorry. You haven't convinced me. Not yeah. yet. I, I get what you're saying. But for me, I'd keep Andy Robertson for at least one more season and sell him maybe yeah, in a couple of years. Maybe. But I see what you're saying. Josh, what do you reckon? Should Liverpool get rid of Andy Robert? I'm going to go with Abdullah. Um Andy Robertson. <clears throat> Andy Robertson for me, um, he's been a good consistent left back, but would you ever say he is someone who is a match, a game changing left back? I think oh, he's yes. I, th I think he's I think he's consistent. Uh, I think there's, there's definitely times where he offers a lot on the attack, but 
for me, I think Robinson probably in the next year or two will probably start having a bit of a decline. Um, I think this season, you're, I think you're starting to see again, maybe not all due to his fault. I don't think it all to, other maybe Trent, he is defensively just not there. Um, I feel like the, um, Robinson has started to be a, a little bit more figured out. Um, he's been easy to get at. Um, you know, it's phrasing attack inside at the moment. He's been beaten easily on one on ones. He's not offering so much in the attack. Um, I don't Five know, assists. Five yeah. assists. Yeah, but to be fair, you look at Reese James and what Reese James has done in the struggling thing. You know, he's. Oh, he's quality, though. He's an excellent. I do want to just caveat the fact that. Robertson did just the other day break the record for most assists by a defender in the Premier League a couple <laughs> well, of weeks ago. So that's over the course of his whole career. I'm not talking about I'm talking about the season in particular looking forward. Um, and there's no doubt what there's no doubt what he's done in the past. But you know, Helen Robertson in the last couple of years have been probably the, the two best fullbacks in Premier League is probably seen in you know very recent time in terms of what they've done. They've been better at City's fullbacks. Uh, I think I think Robertson Two, three years ago, is better than what you know, Cancelo, uh, Cancelo and Kyle Walker for Manchester City. I'm talking about this season in particular and going forward. No, no, I agree, with you. I agree with um, you. so I think, um, I think you just have to see how it plays out with Robertson right now. You keep him, you, you know, you lock him up, he starts every week, there's no doubt about that. But I, I do think, I do agree with that though, keep an eye on Robertson and see if he gets better. Um, and you know, gets back to his top performances. If he starts stepping, you maybe think, but you know, Trump. But that's not as a conversation for you know uh, next summer's time. That's not 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 an issue for now. Robinson is absolutely someone you keep in our team. But I do agree. I think it's someone you do keep an eye on because he does have the possibility of starting to dip um, um, as time goes on. I'm and just 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 for context, Owen, I'm just thinking about this purely as in like I've booted up FIFA. I'm doing a career mode. I have no emotional connection to any of these players, you know, and I'm going to make the team as good as possible for Liverpool so that it can challenge, like it can be Real Madrid level. And uh, I mean, I, I am on a FIFA career mode at the moment and Robertson, I kept him for a few seasons and then I sold him, made a nice 100 million and I bought Nuno Mendes from PSG. Yeah, but so that, Nuno Mendes is not available. I agree. That's what I'm probably saying. a better player yeah. now. Yeah, Nuno Mendes is an unbelievable player. Yeah. But... Andy Robertson, he's still got it, man. He's still got the magic. Okay, I, I've been yes. outvoted two to one, but it's my podcast and we're keeping Andy Robertson. Okay, Fabinho is next. Oh, it's a, diff it's a tough one. Uh, but for me, I'd, I'd, you know, just very quickly, yes or no, would you would you give him the boot? I, I would say if we get an offer in the region of, you know, a good offer for Fabinho, I would eat, I would sell him or I, I'm going to convert him to a centre-back which is something that just struck me uh, today, because I think he's got all the talent to be a centre-back. Um, all of the Liverpool fans, even, who said, yeah, but he was centre-back when we lost all those games in, in lockdown with empty stadiums and all that. Um, yes, but that's because he didn't have a number six in front of him. It's exactly the same problem as we've got this season. We were easy to, to, to play through, when we lost six matches in a row at home at Anfield with, with Fabinho in defence because we had no midfielders. That's been the problem for years. Fabinho, uh, keep or sell, Abdul? Keep, keep or sell? Yeah, same, same argument as Robertson. I would sell him. If, okay, if sell him. Barcelona okay. came in with an offer. I'll go with that one. Okay, yeah. so we're selling Fabinho. That's one. Tiago, we're keeping. No choice. Oh, you're on the fence. Okay, you're on the fence, Abdul. It's just, I tweeted it on my account the other day. Um, I love Thiago. I think you, I close my eyes. You ask me what, what football player do you enjoy watching the most? It's either him or Verratti. Um, also Neymar, obviously, you can't really argue with Neymar, but that's just a given. But it, essentially, my point is with Thiago, when we signed him, he was supposed to be like this really experienced player who has done it all, won it all. He's going to come and add this extra quality to our team. And when it's in the when it's been in the good times with us, so last season, when it was the good times, he was great. Loved watching him. That goal against Porto, magic. Absolutely love it. But I'm a bit disappointed at the fact that now that we're going through a tough time, you really want that quality, experienced player to to grab the situation by the neck and, you know, try and stamp their imprint on it and like you know try and like drag the team through this kind of bad period and you know who do we have doing that in our team right now is Stefan Bajcetic Tiago's like 
supposed to be the elder guiding the team and he's not really having an impact so i'm a bit disappointed about that but yeah in an ideal world i would probably keep him but um if if somebody comes in with a good bid i'm taking the money and uh reinvesting them. just the element yeah i will tell you fitness he can stay, he can stay fit you know for three months straight he's got a really big fitness issue is that he doesn't have like legs made of glass you know something in his legs just seem to go everywhere once or two months and he you can't you know even though he's nowhere near as bad as um someone who i'm sure is all that is somewhere in Abicada, um you know you do have to look like, about you know the, the injuries and if, if, if an old person if an older player continues to get into problem especially probably on the wages yeah it goes on at this age you probably also need to probably look at you know getting that off your books it's a very interesting argument. Thank you very much. Um, uh, you know, and it says a lot that he's he's played the sixth most amount of minutes for such an injury-prone player in our entire squad. 31 years and 304 days as we're recording this. So he's definitely getting older. You've convinced me, guys. I'm, I'm No, 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 you can't. I'm hoping, Tiago, but you can have your own count. So you, you're selling two of them. You're selling three of them because you're selling Robbo as well. Man, Abdul's getting rid of three already. I'm on one. Okay, Harvey Elliott, um, keep. Yep. All right, Joe Gomez, sell. He's awful. Uh, he's awful. Thank you, Josh. I, I agree. He's 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 got he's brilliant for 80, 85 minutes, 87 minutes, and then the last few minutes of the game, or or for three minutes of every game, he's just completely lost. And it's because he's got the Dayan Lovren thing of trying his best to not make a mistake that he makes a mistake you know if i tell you do not think of an orange penguin what are you thinking of josh don't think of an orange penguin there you go you know it's that kind of thing so these these instructions that people get footballers get from coaches is like whatever you do don't make a mistake it's the worst thing you can say to yeah. anyone you, 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 you know you know who Gomez reminds you of in his current form, Lovren. <laughs> I think him and Lovren, I think him and Lovren just have very similar. You know, they're they're sort of have the quality, but for some reason, every time they step on the pitch, they're just an utter disaster. And you just you know, as a Liverpool fan, you see him in the lineup, you just know something's going to go wrong with him on the pitch at some point in the game that's going to cost you a goal or something critical. You just know it's going to happen. Six errors leading to goals. Uh from 1106 minutes abdul you you're not sure about selling joe Gomez. all i would say is um he's 25 years old uh is he is he 25 yeah he's 25 years old i mean that is still baby years for a center back um on the other hand um again putting on my like if i sold him could i replace him with a better young center back i do feel like there is generally a good dearth of young center back talent in europe at the moment so I feel like if we did get a good bid for him, we could easily like find somebody to replace him who would be good. But I, I think also like he's yeah, he's making mistakes, but he's also got every attribute I would ever want for a good young centre back. Um, and he's already been at the club for like seven years now. So, yeah, I think he could I think he could be like Kara for us, really, but even better version. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on a fence with Joe. I I don't feel like I know a good young centre back who's better than him, but I'm sure we could find one. So I just wouldn't go through the effort of selling him. He's just you're keeping him, okay. Well, yeah, keep keep your own yeah. score then, because I'm going to forget how many you're selling. You're selling three so far, okay. I'm selling I'm selling two. Uh, Josh, how many are you selling? You're selling Joe Gomez and Fabinho and Tiago. You're on three as well. Yeah, we're good Paris Chelsea, uh, so we just need Charlotte. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Darwin Nunez, we're keeping definitely. He's amazing. Bobby Firmino, Josh, you're getting rid of Bobby Firmino for Liverpool. You think I... he's passed it? Thirty-one years, one hundred and thirty I... days. He's not getting any younger, and I just don't. I think when you guys were in your, you know, in your prime and you were doing so good, I think away from me, you played so did that team so well. But I think as you move, as you as you move, as you moved away from Manny, and I think it's, oh, I think I think just move on from Salah was essentially. I just don't think Firmino offers really anything in that team. 
Um, he's definitely got, I, I could be wrong in saying this, uh, but I do think injuries are starting to hit him a little bit more these last couple of um, seasons. Yes. So between injuries and the fact, I just don't think his playing style suits how Liverpool need to move forward. I think you could probably sell him now and still get a decent bit of money, but if you keep him around, he sits on the bench, his value decreases. I just don't see, I think, I think there's no real bad reason if you keep him, but I think there's more positives to sell him than keeping him. Okay, so that's number four for Josh. Uh, Abdul, Bobby, for me now, keep or sell? Yeah, injuries have affected him a lot more over the last few seasons. It's been annoying, but one thing I would say is he used to get criticised a lot for not scoring, but I feel like over the last few seasons, his scoring has improved a lot. Like He's getting on the score sheet a lot more. And I feel like it's almost like uh, Karim Benzema at, at Real Madrid. He used to get like a lot of flack for just like not being, you know, Ronaldo's level, you know, never being the main man at Real Madrid. But as he aged, he got finer and finer and finer. And I feel like that is what we've seen with Firmino. Um, I feel like the older he's got, he's actually got better. Uh, but we just haven't seen it because he's been injured a lot. So for this season, maybe even for just one more year, I feel like I would keep Firmino. But yeah, that's... Um, that's Firmino, me. yeah. I mean, 929 minutes only this season. Um, it's 10 more minutes than Jordan Henderson has managed, which is a bit, a bit of a surprise, really. But no, interesting stuff. I mean, if if the gout rumours are true, that, that then I would try and, you know, with a very heavy heart, let him go. But if, if he doesn't have gout, then I'm keeping Firmino. Um, Jordan Henderson is next. He's gone. He's out the door. 32 years old and 237 days. Club captain or not. I think he's been he's been awful this season. I'm, I hate to be so so harsh on our club captain. Josh, any thoughts on Hendo? He's gone, right? Yeah, I think John Henderson's played his part in, you know, Liverpool's success over the last few years. And it comes to a point for every single captain. I've had the one with uh, John Berry. Um, it comes to a point where a player just, you know, you can't just keep him in the team or in the squad for the fact that he's a captain. And, you know, he's someone who you love in your heart. You know, from a football perspective, I don't think he offers anything. He can't press, he can't move around. Um, I think he doesn't really offer anything too much in both sides of the game. Um, I think unfortunately Jordan Henderson. I think Jordan Henderson has played such a high intensity now for quite a few years that I think it is at his age of where you know where football is now, especially at a local club. I just don't think he can play up. Maybe you, I think you can keep him around as a bench player and, and as a veteran dressing player if he's willing to do that. So from that point of view, I would keep him if you are keeping him for a soul off the pitch. Um, kind of circumstances, but in terms of all the pitch, um, yeah, yeah, George Harrison needs to replace, um, needs to replace in the summer. ASAP. Well, Josh is on five, he's selling five of them. Um, okay, Abdul, just very quickly, just a yeah. one word answer gone. keep sell gone. or or, or, keep, or loan out, keep he's sell, gone. or he's gone. Okay, he's gone. Joel Matip gone. again, again, one word answers now because I want to rip through this. Joel Matip, uh, Abdul, I love him, but yes, gone. yeah. Yeah, me too. Gone. Okay, so I'm on. Hang on, I'm on. I have to keep a count for myself. One, two, three, four. I'm on four players. Gone. How many are you on, Abdul? Five. Five. And Joshua on five as well. Okay, keep them. Keep keep your own score from now on. Luis Diaz, of course, we're going to keep him. James Milner's gone. Right, gone. Retired. 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 Yeah, exactly. So okay, so I'm on five. You're on six. Uh, and you're both on six. Uh, Simikas, keep. I keep him. Good squad player. Keep him. Okay. Keep him. Uh, I would sell him if um okay if a, if a good bid came in. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there you go. Uh, Conate, obviously keep. Carvalho, loan him out. I would loan him out. Uh, any 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 advances? Any any different? Yeah, I, I think as a backup winger, he could be a danger. I think I would keep him. Keep him. Okay. And Abdul. Yeah, I think keep him. I would keep want him, him close, okay. yeah. Find find a way to, to, to shoehorn him into a team with with Diaz, Jota, um, you know, it's all these attackers we've got. Cody Gakpo, Harvey Elliott. Yeah, I mean, where's he gonna get in a game? But I don't know. For me, I'm loaning him out, but okay. 
it's up to you guys. You keep your own score. Um, uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain gone, obviously. At the end of the year. Okay, gone. In, in the end of the contract, is that the Nabi Keita uh, also gone? Uh, you know, he's he's managed two hundred and forty-seven minutes this season. He doesn't. Amazing. He doesn't. He doesn't have legs. <laughs> Well, no, I know he's just got like I don't know, he's just got twiglets or something. I don't know what he's got for for legs, but yeah, they keep snapping. Uh, so yeah, he's he's uh, yeah, so he's gone. That's uh, I'm on seven. I don't know about you guys. Jota, we're keeping. By Chetich, we're keeping. Curtis Jones gone. No, I'm keeping him. You're keeping him, loaning him out, or keeping him in the squad, playing him, keeping him. But playing. how are you going to play him? He's a left-sided attacker. Every, How's he going to uh, fit into the team? No, he's a he's a left he's a midfielder. He's a midfielder. What, you, you think he's a number eight? Curtis yeah, James? yeah. I'll play him. I'll play him where Thiago plays now. <laughs> oh, man, I love your optimism, Josh. What about you? Load him out. Load him out. Exactly. Okay, so there you go. Uh, Nat Phillips gone Sell. as well. Sell. Okay, Peace. nine. Ben Doak, the future, the future not just of Liverpool Football Club, the future of football, the future of hope, the future of life. Love the guy. Uh, Bobby Clark, okay, now we're into the kids. It doesn't really matter about the kids too much. It's just, you know, down the bottom of that list. Arthur Mello, of course, is out as well. Uh, uh, so that's nine. I've got nine players that we're getting. Me. I, think you'll nine have, of them. I think you might lose Callagher in the summer. Maybe yeah, as well, yeah. maybe as well. But I would keep him if it was up to me. I would loan him out, get give him some. Uh... But anyway, today the Super League. That's another. I had nine. What did you end up on, Abdul? How many did you end up One, on? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 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 You're getting rid of ten. Josh, yeah. did you keep a count? You're on about um, nine or I ten. Think ten or eleven. Ten or eleven. Good lord. But Heavy. this isn't. This isn't because I want to get rid of them. It's just no, of if course. I was if I was the DOF. And I'm making smart decisions. Yeah, I'd be looking at making maximizing, you know, uh, Robbo's uh, what's it called value. I'd be looking at maximizing Fabinho's value, Tiago's value. Who have I got here? Simicas. That's 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 one like that proves my point. It's like he's not a bad player. He's a great squad player if we keep him. But if a good enough bid comes in and there's a good young left back somewhere who we can, you know, invest that game time in, I'm I'm selling him. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, yes. Uh, but there's something about the reality of football that is, you know, is, uh, you know, because I played football manager in the past. We all have, you know, played FIFA and all that stuff. And it is easy when you just like, OK, that player's getting a bit old. Let's change them. But, you know, the reality is Jurgen Klopp, for example, sees James Milner and Jordan Henderson every single day. And he knows he loves these guys because they come in every day with a 100 percent commitment to have a great freaking days training to be a better player at the end of the day than they were at the beginning of the day and there's part of it there's part of there's part of when when you know part of human behavior that i've learned recently from the brilliant podcast hidden brain recommend that to everybody it's a wonderful podcast human behavior right when you start you get you get a particular impression in your head like lots of people have um you know anybody does this is human and as time goes on it's very difficult to go back on that um be go back on that opinion even if all of the evidence points to it now i can think of for example um a friend a youtube friend who who i won't say his name but because uh, he might have changed his opinion by now but he's been arteta out he's an arsenal fan a hashtag Arteta out for ages. And I haven't spoken to him for a couple of months, but even when Arsenal were doing really well, and I just wonder how he is now, because even when Arsenal were doing really, really well at the beginning of the season, he found it very difficult to let go of this idea of Arteta out. So in that kind of context of human behavior, the Super League, Josh, it, they, they, they threw the idea out um, you know, the, the, the people who wanted to organise it, they, they published this idea, they put it into the ether, and people took that idea and vomited all over it in 2021. Nobody was up for the idea of a, a European Super League. Now they've rehashed it, and they've released some kind of statement today that it's going to be, you know, some kind of beautiful, uh, harmonic, harmonic um, melodic, uh, song, uh, uh, heavenly, um, rapturous song 
but uh, Javier Tebas, the president of La Liga, tweeted that the Super League is the wolf who today disguises himself as a granny to try to fool European football, which is one of the best tweets I've read in a very long time. But Josh, what do you what do you make of it? The the dead horse twitches. So uh, I think this is smart from the behalf of the participants and the organizers of the Super League because uh, they're doing this because for anybody who um, isn't fully aware, next season the Champions League format is changing. So we're getting a brand new Champions League format with bigger groups, more teams. Also, um, from next from next season onwards, um, the Champions League format's also changing in terms of how people get into the Champions League. So um, if you are... Um, for example, of Chelsea, because they're they're going to do it off base of um, <clears throat> uh, previous achievements. So, for example, if Chelsea finish uh, 14th in the Premier League, they're still going to be in the Champions League the following season, which realistically is a very similar kind of format to what the old Super League format was. Because Chelsea would have gone to the Super League no matter what, uh, because they were one of these percent, one of these um, <clears throat> you know one of these members. The UEFA new format uh, for the Champions League is basically like that. Um, maybe not in the same context, but basically guarantees Chelsea into the Champions League. But we know no matter what, they could get relegated and still be in the Champions League. So that for me is why I think the Super League is being announced when it is, because I feel like they're basically trying to basically say, right, look, we've got this beautiful, big, beautiful idea. UEFA have got this awful new format coming in, which is highly opposed by fans and by clubs, but UEFA, they don't care. They're going ahead and doing it anyway because it makes more money for them. So I think the Super League, I think the Super League has a decent chance of actually succeeding this time because the fact that they're basically saying, look, we've got this open format, anybody's welcome, but your UEFA's form new format is a closed format where basically it's going to be harder for the likes of a Leicester or a, a West Ham to to actually get into the Champions League. So. I think this is just pure good PR. It's good marketing from the participants in the Super League, knowing that the new Champions League format is a shut-off one, which basically only benefits the big teams, which only benefits money revenue for UEFA, because it, it, it doesn't reward teams for doing well in their league into the Champions League like the current format does. It just basically says if you're if you're a successful big club like Manchester United or like Chelsea or like Liverpool or like Arsenal, you're going to get into you're going to get into the Champions League every single season, no matter how bad you do in the Premier League. That is what the old Super League used to be, and that's why it got so much heat. Um, but now that's what the Champions League is turning into, and now the Super League are basically trying to basically counteract that. So I actually think. The Super League has a really good potential now to actually succeed because of how idiot UEFA are. And the simple as this, UEFA shot themselves in the foot because they did, did they have to change a really good Champions League format? No. So, yeah, honestly, the Super League has a chance to work this year and people should prepare themselves for that happening because see once you, see once, um, I don't know if people have already read or what, but if you haven't, spend your night, read about the new Champions League format and how teams are going to get into it and how it works and you will see how bad it is compared to what you'll be watching, you know, next week in the round of 16. It's, it's bad and that's why I think the Super League is good PR, it's good marketing, it's very smart how they've worded it and I do think it has a very good chance of working taking over the Champions League. Very interesting stuff. I I do believe, Abdul, that the European Court of Justice um, is going to make a ruling sometime in the spring as to whether UEFA and FIFA are holding some kind of monopoly uh, over over European football by by controlling um, the Champions League as on an as an exclusive European competition for top clubs um it's a tricky question you know someone's gonna maybe push the panic button for that one who knows uh but what are your thoughts are you still in the you know in the camp of this is a you know a festering pile of dog do or are you more optimistic with the new format well um i think i think the most important thing to do is to set a bit of context around where european football is at and where football globally is at and has been for the like at least the last two decades um i don't know before that i don't know what football was like but it's in my lifetime i've seen both set blatter and michelle platini both lose their jobs and be banned from football completely because of brazen corruption um 
I've seen the Qatar World Cup bid being given uh, through stories of brown envelopes. Um, you know, in the last few months, we've seen, you know, high profile footballers escape rape charges, uh, even though there was lots of evidence. We've seen football just basically it, in my lifetime has never felt like it's been ran by thoroughly decent people. Um, all of the institutions involved in football, whether it's UEFA, FIFA, the FA in England, um, whether it's the clubs, uh, Man City scandal, Newcastle scandal, Manchester United scandal with their owners, the way that they run the club. Just football has never, ever felt like it's, you know, a, a thoroughly decent and well-run sport. Um, us as fans, we enjoy the moments. We enjoy the football. We enjoy our teams. We enjoy the actual football. But football organisations and institutions, I have always really felt are shoddy. And the one good thing about the whole Super League thing, I think, is the fact that it has opened up a conversation around the fact that maybe UEFA shouldn't have control over football. Maybe FIFA and UEFA aren't actually the people who should be running football. And I'm at the very least glad about that uh, because I do think we're having these conversations. And the thing that I was really uh, positively heartened by today when I saw the Super League announcement was the fact that A22, the company that they set up to push this whole Super League thing, um, they consulted with nearly 50 clubs in Europe about what those clubs felt should be priorities for football in Europe going forward. And they came down to, what, 10 principles? And I think all of them made a lot of sense. If you read the principles, some of them were, for example, player health should be a priority in football. Obviously, talking about the way that concussions are treated, um, the way that players are overused, something that Jurgen Klopp has talked about a lot. You know, the fixture list is just too much. Players' health is being put on the line. Um, they talked about how football should be more equitable at the top and the bottom of the pyramid. They talked about all sorts of things that we haven't talked about in football because football fans, truthfully, don't really care that much. They just want to get their heads down and just watch football. They just don't like change. But there is a there is such a thing as good change. And I hope at the very least the Super League is a conduit to allow us to get towards a better football. Um, I don't know whether I like like, yeah, it's what Tebas said is right. Like clearly the clubs who are pushing for the Super League to exist, they're just trying to enrich themselves. Um, they've overspent over the last few years and they want to make their money back um in some way or the other. I, I do think that the Super League is a wolf in sheep's clothing, but it can be a good thing. And I just very much hope that in 100 years, football is in a much better position than it is right now. And I think it can be. And yeah, that, that's that's my position. Excellent stuff. Um, although it's not a wolf in sheep's clothing, according to Javier Tebas. Tebas, it's, uh, it's, it's a wolf in granny's clothing, which is uh, excellent. Um, Graham Rogers is in the chat. Hello, Graham. He says there has to be a clear no to the Super League. Those of us who remember football pre-Premier League preferred football then. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nostalgia that goes into it. I remember football before the Premier League as well. And um, I mean, it was great. Liverpool won the league almost every year. So that was awesome. But uh, yeah, there were lots of reasons why... Uh, you know, you can you can look back with rose tinted glasses as well, but I think it's always been corrupt to an extent, but maybe not quite to this extent. I don't know. Mark says money. Mark Forrest, hello, Mark. Great to have you with us too. Money, he says money is ruining football and the competition between all teams. Yes, absolutely. Um, I agree, and I, I sort of shudder to think what Manchester United would be like with Qatari money for example. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about the actual footy, because we, we let's just finish up by having a little quick chat about the next games. Josh, your, your boys, your Chelsea lads, are heading to West Ham, a London derby, one of many, uh, against West Ham. Uh, Google says the West, win probability for West Ham is only 29%. But Chelsea, 42%. Would you agree with those odds? 
No, because our, our record at the London Stadium um, over the last couple of years is atrocious. I think out of our last six visits, we've only won once. Um, we've lost five times. Our record at the London Stadium, and like, actually our record against Steve Moyes since we became West Ham manager in general has been quite bad. Um, well, obviously West Ham are in quite a bad run of form themselves. Obviously, they're down at the relegation fight at the moment compared to you know fighting for the, the seventieth place like they have been the last few years. It's going to be really difficult. London Derby at West Ham, they're going to be up for this. Um, Chelsea do pretty much have all options available. Um, obviously, we're dealing with a lot of injuries. With suspensions the last couple of weeks, everyone's back. Jack Phillips back, Ben Wells back. Rich James is obviously back like was last week. So, Chelsea definitely are full strength compared to what they have been. I'm probably going to go, I'm probably going to be bored. I'm going to say it's going to be a draw. I think West Ham or basically, I think Dino Moyes is going to set up. Defend. I think it's going to be set up to be tough. Um, I don't think West Ham have enough attacking quality to probably get a goal on Chelsea, but I also don't think Chelsea have enough. At least at the moment, because obviously players are still embedding into the team. I don't think Chelsea have, will have enough to break them down because we do seem that we're still trying to figure out our attacking, our attacking patterns, our attacking players under Graham Potter and changing the team, basically, even though not by choice or sorry, not, but even though he has had to do it, has not particularly helped. So um, I think it's going to be a really boring game. West Ham Park, 11 men behind the players. Chelsea probably will not break them down because we're just not that type of team yet. And I think it'll be a, a boring nil nil one one draw because that's basically what it, that's what it was like against Liverpool. That's what it was like against Fulham there at the weekend. We're just not a very exciting team to watch. And if the other team parks the bus against us, just makes for a boring nil each type game. I think that's what West Ham's going to do. Yeah, you could definitely see that happening, can't you, Abdul? It's a lunchtime kickoff on on Saturday. Are you going to be you know still in 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 the you know, in the park or, you know, outside going for a walk? What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be back home in front of the TV watching, you know, salivating at Joel, Fe- Joel Felix playing playing football in front of your eyes? Are you going to find something better to do? I love I love Joel Felix, to be fair. Um, I mean, that cameo, well, not cameo, he played 60 minutes in the for Chelsea. I just thought, like, I don't understand how long, why he was at that Atletico from Madrid for so long, and none of these clubs pulled the trigger on him before Chelsea were like, like let's 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 get him in. Like he's just such a great footballer. But um, no, I will probably be still asleep because I'm going out tomorrow night, and it's going to be a heavy <laughs> one. So uh, good, good for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but no, I I think it's just really interesting to see what Chelsea are going to do nowadays. Like they just got so much great talented players even before this spending spree i thought they have so many great talented players and now i have no idea what their lineups are going to look like so yeah best of luck to you um they need the well west ham actually need the result i reckon but chelsea also do need the result i reckon i reckon i reckon draw yeah, I'm gonna say a draw. Yeah, it's unanimous. We're all gonna go for a draw. Uh, let's move on to the to the to the big game, Liverpool Everton. Um, Abdul staying with you. Have you ever felt worse going into a derby? Um that's a great question. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's been bad ones, but maybe maybe we... un- under Hodgson, surely. Roy yeah, Hodgson. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, the only thing is like like I said at the beginning, like I just have tuned out the football to be fair. But um thinking of like I saw the training pictures today and the videos and um I suddenly got excited again because I saw Jota. If if you have time by the way, go and check out the video that um LFC just posted with um the players doing finishing drills because Jota he finished one on his left foot on a volley and I literally my jaw just dropped. Like I can't <laughs> I can't wait for this boy to come back into the team. Hopefully he's in there for this uh, weekend. So yeah, I'm actually feeling a bit a bit better about this uh, derby. But then I remembered that Everton actually have Sean Dyshin, and he's he's just like he already hates Klopp. If you guys remember the spat that they had, and now he's the Everton manager, and they've got the new manager bounce. And I'm just yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to it again. So um, I really don't know. But I do feel I do feel genuinely Owen. This is I know that I'm crazy positive for no reason, but I do feel I do feel we could it could finally click this 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 game here and what maybe I, th- I think the team could finally click back into gear. I think this could be the start of something beautiful. It could be. Arthur's back. That's it. Arthur Mello's back. <laughs> hey, Arthur Mello, yes, he'll he'll sort us out. Um I love it. I love the fact that you could be optimistic, you know. Everyone can be optimistic. You can choose to be optimistic, and it's a it's a marvelous thing to be. 
um but uh i don't i just don't share it josh i mean i'm i'm terrified i'm petrified because i just think as much as we would like to say things will click and you know our form will turn and maybe this is the start of something special we just don't have the personnel you're getting rid of 10 or 11 you know and it's just i don't know google says liverpool have a 64 percent chance of winning because google hasn't been watching us uh since january um what do you, what do you reckon, Josh? I'm actually going to probably surprise you both. I actually don't report what went this game. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's in one one thing. You know, obviously, know what I'm talking about. Where it's almost kind of changed, uh, and not not in a good way. You know, in terms of all the off-field politics. One thing I do firmly believe in in big rivalry games like this, form goes out the window, and it's all about passion and and belief and quality in the moment. And I feel like. Liverpool will step up, you know, it's at, if it was at Goodison, I would say different, but at the fact it's at Anfield, I think the fans will get behind them, they will give the push, I think that will give the players maybe that bit of motivation, a bit of the kick up the backside, which they've kind of probably needed over the last few weeks, um, and as much as Everton, as much as Everton defensively were good, I think they were lucky, because I think they came up against an Arsenal team that were probably 50% of what Arsenal have been, I think, I think Arsenal went into that game with a bad mentality and a and a very um you know what they're basically thinking they've already won that game and didn't really put enough and i think everton i think everton just have so much holes in them even with some dice and i feel like with the anvil crowd and i think they were probably going to have a big reaction in this derby i think this i think the derby comes at, at, at a really good time considering if there's one time if there was one game i could get liverpool fired up and maybe try and get something going in this game because if you win everton you get the few fans go that might just give everton the push to start the liverpool the push they need to kind of go on especially into a champions league game against Rapids. so for me personally i feel like liverpool win this game and i feel like this will come really good momentum going into the game against Real Madrid. and it's and i think that's what club's going to say he's going to say here yeah, this is a big week you've got Real Madrid. you've got him you've got you've got to everton you know, all the same week Let's get together, let's push on and try and make a good and try and make a good season out of this. And I feel like that's what Klopp's message is going to be. And I think Everton at Anfield is probably Sean Dice's worst nightmare at the moment because I know people look at their form and say they're bad, but sometimes in a terms of the dog comes around, the form of the window, it's a perfect opportunity to start getting the, the ball turn up again. Just just one last thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Josh said uh, Klopp's message will be, oh, let's let's push on. I, I also genuinely think Klopp's message is also if you boys fucking lose to Everton against against Sean Dyche at Anfield, <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> like there's, I will beat you up in the changing rooms because, yeah, I don't think Klopp is a happy man anymore. In, in, in some of the training picks today, I saw him holding uh, a notepad with a pen Ooh. and I promise you, I, I go through every single inside mm-hmm. training yeah. video, all of the pictures. I've never seen him hold a pen and a notepad. No, so exactly. uh, he's not he's messing making, around. He's making his own list like we did before <laughs> yeah. of who, who he's getting rid of. Yeah, okay. Oh, man. Um, okay. I mean, you said form goes out the window. You can see form is on the screen there. Liverpool and Everton have both lost three, drawn one and won one of the last five matches. So let's hope it does for both of our team's sake. Uh, it does go out the window because we can do without that. We could do with defenestrating that form too sweet straight away. Um, wonderful to have everybody in the chat. Gary Richards is here. Tally-ho, Gary. 5-0 Liverpool win, he says. Um, you know, Mr. Bombastic. He says uh, about the Chelsea West Ham game, he said, expect a lot of dead ball situations from West Ham. Yes, that classic noise thing. Uh, Alan was talking about a uh, great to have Alan with us as well. Hello, Alan. He was talking about how he fears that football might, uh, you know, become like a, a American football, like American sports with all that sort of, you know, schnitzy. Well, I don't even know if that's a word, but it sounds about right. Schnitziness. Uh, in American sports. And, um, you know, uh, Mark just appreciates Gary's 5-0 prediction to Liverpool. and But he says Anfield's atmosphere has dropped too. And I think for this Liverpool-Everton game, that's something that will be key. If we yet again, for I don't know, whatever it is now, the 19th time in 24 matches, go lose the first goal then, you know, the atmosphere is not going to be great. It's not going to be Everton levels of bad. It's not Goodison Park. 
where after 10 minutes they're all you know shouting the whole ground is against their team but it's uh, nonetheless it's a bit uh, it's it might be it might be a key factor but anyway we're going to wrap it up there um abdul watch from watch underscore lfc is there anything you would like to say anything you know would you like to plug your channel is there anything we've missed now if if anybody wants to join me as an admin i'm uh you know i'm i'm working a lot i can barely cover the account every single day so i've yeah, got an idea you. i've got an idea sorry to interrupt yeah um ai artificial GPT, intelligence yeah <laughs> yeah now man i've been i've been no but no but the new ones the next ones because i've been utterly obsessed with chat gpt i've been using it for my lessons i teach these kids we've been writing stories together brilliant stories these kids using chat gpt we've been coming up with family comedy films about a baby who goes missing and there's the children and the dog have to go and find him through the streets of paris great comedy wow. comedy things we're, we're writing a horror film based in a boarding school what a great idea but anyway um chat gpt also talked about ai and how you can get ai to manage your social media account so before you go about paying anyone you know a, a decent whack for being your admin which i probably presume you won't anyway but uh, <laughs> it's uh you know you, you, could, you could maybe think about that but if anyone's yeah. interested please give Abdul a shout or contact cop on podcast uh via twitter you know by cop on podcast at gmail.com I'll, I'll forward your details on to that because that's a great role if you can get in there before abdul finds ai yes yeah. exactly yeah because uh you know humans versus robots josh have you used chat gpt yet uh admittedly not no i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not really someone who uh <laughs> he has a lot of time to read because i'm either traveling uh or working so um or yeah, going to or, or, or to my local games so but yes if everybody's interested my my um my twitter name is jv at the underscore jvs h jvs and then um my youtube name is jvs so that's where i hope to my weekly podcast on um on youtube so um, yeah, which um, is obviously a big thank you to you all uh, for having me on. But, uh, I do truly love doing these uh, shows with you if it's on my end or your end. Um, always fascinating to, to hear your answers and uh, always love answering your questions. And uh, Abdul, it's a pleasure uh, speaking to you as well. I enjoyed your insights, especially from the, especially from the Liverpool end of side of things. So um, yeah, thank you to you two for an amazing podcast. That's a, that's a beautiful way to end the first event. Yeah, for sure. Loved it, Josh. And yeah, great chatting to you again. And uh Obviously, not the best of luck to Chelsea, but best of luck to you. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. So, this has been another episode of Cop On Podcast. If you haven't checked out Chat GPT, check it out. And the future of AI, Google's CEO said five years ago that artificial intelligence will be as important to the history of humanity as the development of fire. Uh, he might be right, but in between you know this time where we're not quite sure what the possibilities are we would like to see a bit of fire uh lit under the buttocks of liverpool players to get them up and running uh, against everton so thank you very much to all of the listeners from our audio feed all around the world thank you very much to everybody who's been here uh like mark forrest he says thank you very much thank you mark and everybody in the comments and uh, we'll see you soon. This has been Cop on Podcast. It's been a blast. <laughs>